The National Nuclear Security Administration wants to make it easier for people in the nuclear industry to understand the complexities of non-proliferation. It's brought all of the information together into an online portal called U.S. Nuclear Nexus. Here with what's going on, Argonne National Laboratory Principal Systems Engineer Allison Bennett-Irion. Ms. Irion, good to have you on. Thank you very much. And NNSA Associate Assistant Deputy Administrator Jeff Chamberlain. Mr. Chamberlain, good to have you on. Great to be here, Tom. Thanks. All right. So non-proliferation I tend to think of as weapons, but you're talking to the nuclear power industry also. Tell us what's going on here. How does this all connect under the NNSA? So I represent the NNSA Office of Defense Nuclear Nonproliferation, and we do a variety of things to reduce global nuclear dangers uh, working around the world and also within the United States. Things such as securing facilities with nuclear material, understanding how to safeguard that material and count it and identify whether it's missing. Those are just examples of what we do. At the same time, there's a new industry in the United States looking to develop and deploy a new generation, the next generation of nuclear power reactor technologies. And this is part of a larger effort to address climate change and has been a very important initiative of past in the current administration. We have not traditionally worked in nonproliferation as much with the nuclear energy and power community. And so one of our challenges is how to integrate with this community and connect the expertise of our federal and national laboratory staff in the nonproliferation and nuclear security sphere with these companies that are looking to deploy technologies and that are considering issues such as security and safeguards in their technologies prior to deploying them. So you're talking about like this new generation being developed of very small reactors that can be deployed locally. Correct. That's one example of a type of what we call advanced reactor would be a small modular reactor, a much smaller reactor that can be put in many different places. Okay. And uh, Allison, what does the Argonne National Laboratory bring to this effort? Argonne National Laboratory has worked very closely with the NNSA to design and build U.S. nuclear nexus. You engineered the portal, in other words. Exactly. So, yeah, so we've helped build this portal, and and it's it's an exciting activity. We have a lot of information that that is growing in this advanced reactor space, so it's nice to have, you know, one stop that has the latest information and will continue to, to evolve as this exciting new area evolves as well. And what sorts of information can they obtain at the portal? As someone enters the portal, we try to design it where someone can say, you know, I am an X and I'm looking for a Y. So we have information that covers four distinct pillars. One is related to um, export control information, which is a topic of of extreme interest to U.S. industry as it can be a, a complex area to navigate. We also have information on international nuclear safeguards, international nuclear security, and proliferation resistance in nuclear systems. Well, let me pose a hypothetical. Suppose I'm a company and I'm making components for these modular nuclear reactors or some type of commercial use item. It could be, therefore, that there are export controls on the things I'm making because they could be used, say, by China for some other purpose. And so would I be able to find out what is the status of my ability to export this? If I had that question and went to the portal, I would find that answer? So, yes, the the portal will help connect them to our experts who can walk through and address export control issues with them. And the portal will also have basic fundamental information about export controls. But we do make clear because our export control function in NNSA is a regulatory function. The portal is not a solver of export control problems in and of itself, but it will help connect companies with 
the people and the experts that can help them answer their questions. It's almost like a metadata source so that you know where to go to get the actual detail that you need at some point for real business. Yes, we actually, it's a funny anecdote, but early, uh, about a year ago, we were uh, giving a presentation on our NNSA programs and we had a company at a coffee break come up to us and say, said, Jeff, you know, NNSA is really mysterious to us and we don't understand it because the main office in Department of Energy that deals with this industry is our Office of Nuclear Energy. And so Nexus is, you can think of it almost as an attempt uh, and, and an effort to demystify NNSA and the things we do and help companies understand them better as they look to deploy these technologies. We're speaking with Jeff Chamberlain. He's Associate Assistant Deputy Administrator at the National Nuclear Security Administration and with Allison Bennett-Irion, a Principal Systems Engineer at the Argonne National Laboratory. And who are the people that you expect to be using this portal? What types of companies or individuals? Or is it simply open to the public that might be curious? It's open to the public. Anybody can access the portal. We expect those most interested in it will be Companies and, and employees and, and folks in companies who are interested in learning more about safeguard security and again how to how to access NNSA support resources assistance to employ these these concepts in their designs early in the process. And what kind of cooperation did it require from different components of the agency and maybe from the energy department itself, other components of energy? to bring all this under one portal? Because sometimes people like to husband that stuff a little bit. There's a lot of activity in this space, and we've made a, um, a concerted effort to make sure that our effort with U.S. Nuclear Nexus is um, complementary. So your question about um, export control is, is a great example where we've worked really closely with other agencies such as the Department of State, Nuclear Regulatory Commission, and Department of Commerce so that we're able to show the whole landscape of um, you know, who has jurisdiction over what. So it you know, provides them a little bit of a, a viewpoint of who to go to with what type of questions. We've also worked really closely with the Department of Energy's Office of Nuclear Energy. While Nexus can be accessed independently, you can also access the web portal through DOE's Office of Nuclear Energy has a gateway for accelerated innovation in nuclear or GAIN, which a lot of U.S. industry is familiar with. So as they go to GAIN, which focuses on uh, connecting U.S. nuclear industry with DOE R&D infrastructure for uh, development of innovation domestically, they can also tap into these NNSA resources, which is sort of that next step of, of taking something that is being developed and commercialized and, and looking to how you're going to export those U.S. technologies abroad. And how long has the portal been opened and what has the take-up been so far? We've just opened this summer, so I mean, it's, it's been fresh in, in August. We've been um, you know, out doing our, our roadshow, talking to a lot of stakeholders in uh, the U.S. nuclear industry. And uh, generally speaking, right now we have anywhere between 400 and 1,000 people a day that are, that are coming to, to learn something new on, on U.S. Nuclear Nexus. So we're excited to continue um, to develop material. Our next phase will likely include academia. So a lot of those um, nuclear companies, particularly nuclear startups, work a lot with academia. So just making sure that they're aware of what their obligations are relative to export control and then to connect with them on nuclear security, safeguards, and proliferation resistance in a timely fashion, you know, preferably early in the design process so that we can avoid um, historic retrofit to design. Sure. That was my question. Do you have some sort of a feedback mechanism so that you can make sure that the site answers the questions people actually have and you can embellish it and improve it as time goes on? Yes. So we have a contact us feature so people can use the contact us feature or go to um, or send an email to nexus at anl.gov. But 
to Jeff's point, I mean, the main goal is to say, you know, here's this information that's out there, but that NNSA wants to connect directly with, with, with industry to, to work on, um, you know, these, these pillars and activities. So um, as someone puts that request in, you know, we have a process to, to shepherd those requests to the appropriate offices. So in some cases, that may go to, you know, one single office to have some sort of an engagement with the U.S. industry stakeholder or to answer a question that they may have. Or they may ask a question that's topical, and it makes sense to collaborate across most, multiple program offices at the same time. So we want to try to um, you know, save people's time and energy so they're not having to figure out, you know, where, where in NNSA do I need to get involved and, and who do I need to talk to or, um, you know, can I talk to you um, together um, in, in parallel. So that's, that's a lot of what Nexus is, is to have, you know, information out there, yes. Um, but also to be able to connect um, industry with the right resources at um, NNSA, um, which also includes um, you know, the, the rich experience of the National Laboratory Complex. And Jeff, therefore, all the email doesn't go to you personally. <laughs> exactly. And if I, if I could add two real fundamental points here, too, that, A, we want to support this industry in succeeding. We want to see this industry succeed. And that means being able to deploy U.S. technologies and reassert the U.S. in the global nuclear power landscape. And so, and B, the second point is that this is an experiment to some extent, and we want to figure out how to best help this industry. So to your question about feedback, we absolutely, in every presentation we give and every discussion we have with industry, we welcome their feedback and input to make this a helpful tool for them to better engage with us. Jeff Chamberlain, the Associate Assistant Deputy Administrator of the National Nuclear Security Administration, thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure, Tom. Thanks for having us. And Allison bennett Irion is Principal Systems Engineer at the Argonne National Laboratory. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. I didn't know enough to be scared of anything, and it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style and how's that developed over the years? 
my style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, 
um, from C to C suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, And I might add that um, any proceeds from the book Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And and, uh, I've learned a lot, both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I I, I would like to add one thing, if I could, Shane. Um, During my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.